The following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church. For more information about our church or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. Each morning here, each Sunday, we are a very simple church. Every week, we walk through books of the Bible together. Every week, just kind of verse by verse, working through books of the Bible. We love this. We're not going to stop doing that. Uh, right now, we're in First Timothy. We've been walking in it since the beginning of this year. Looks like we're on track to finish it before the end of the year. So we're excited about that. Um, but occasionally, throughout the year, we take weeks, sometimes a series of weeks, um, to where we take off from our normal rhythm and we do something special. For example, we're coming up to Christmas, the Advent season. Every uh, year at that time, we take a few weeks to pause and to just think and, and read the scriptures that have to do with Jesus coming in the flesh. We love this rhythm, right? Another one, uh, each summer, we take a break and we dig into the Psalms. We love this rhythm. It gives us a good rhythm as a church. Um, and uh, here we are, and we have Easter, stuff like that, but here we are at this week, and it's one of those special Sundays where we get to this one Sunday that's called Reformation Day, and chances are most of you, if not maybe all of you, did not grow up in a tradition where this was even talked about. Neither did I. And uh, you might be here going, well, why are we doing this? You're not gonna find like a, Bible verse that says, thou shalt celebrate Reformation. You're not going to find that, so why are we doing it? I want to give you two reasons. One is really a reason. I'll admit it off the, off the bat. But the other one is the real reason. Let me give you a reason first. It's because history matters. Um, history matters. We are reminded on this day of where we come from. Um, on October 31st of 1517, so that's 506 years ago, a uh, German Catholic priest named Martin Luther was troubled about certain things he was seeing in the church, and so he went and he took these 95 theses, this document, and he just puts it on the church door in Wittenberg on this church, what's the church, All Saints Church is what it's called, just nails it. Up. And you might hear that and think, well, like, why is that a big deal? Um, why, honestly, it's crazy. It shouldn't have been a big deal. There had been people who came before. There would be people who come after Luther who would see things in the church, call it out. But the crazy thing is that God in his sovereignty used this moment in just a crazy way to just start a crazy movement, this document that's hanging on a door and this angry German priest to just change the landscape of Christianity um, and in a way that would impact your life today. Now, if you are here and you are not Roman Catholic, chances are you trace your roots back to that moment. Isn't that crazy? It's insane. I had this one little moment um, all Protestant traditions. I mean, you're, you're talking the Baptists and Bible churches, you're Presbyterians, Lutherans, 
Anglicans. I'm going to miss one of yours, and I'm sorry. Methodists, Assemblies of God, um, uh, Episcopalian, our non-denominational Bible people, whatever you are, evangelical, broad, whatever you are, you trace your roots here. Um, and, and this day reminds us of our history together. But here's the thing. Like I said, that's a, eh, a reason. Um, I would not pause our normal walking through scripture for that reason. I would recommend a book that I wouldn't pause. Um, and so that's what I want to do. If uh, you want to know more about your history, I want to recommend a book to you. This is a fantastic book that talks about where we come from. And it's, uh, you may look at this and think, well, I don't like history textbooks. This is not one of those. It's written like a story, just paints the picture of where we come from. So I've read this a couple times, and our staff has read this, and look how thin that is. Like for a history book, that's awesome. That's awesome. So um, check it out. It's fantastic. If you want to dig into the history, you'd love it. If you want a copy of it, come see me after, get you hooked up. Um, but here's the thing. This morning is not going to be a history lesson. Instead, what we're going to do this morning is far more foundational than that. Um, the, the, the second reason, the real reason behind why we're pausing for a week is because not only does history matter, but because doctrine matters. Doctrine matters. It is really important to understand um, the reformers, Luther was not alone. They were seeing things in the church at this time that were off, that were not in alignment with this. And they were calling things out from church leadership issues to selling of indulgences and a distorted view of the gospel itself. They were calling it out and the reformers were calling out things that were not in alignment with the word of God. And um, they were, their goal, their aim was not to blow up the church. It was to reform it. It was to bring the church back to faithfulness. And that was the aim. And so looking at this the goal here is to bring the church to sound doctrine, and they gave their lives for this because it matters so much, and it still matters today. So here's what we're going to do today. We are going to take a break from 1 Timothy for one week. We're picking right back up next week, and we are going to hone in on the gospel. What is it? The core of what we believe I'm calling this time together the gospel alone. And um, no matter who you are, what tradition you're from, no matter what background you're from, um, I believe this morning is going to draw us back to our roots um, in Christ, in his gospel. That's what this morning, my prayer is for this morning. And the way we're going to do this is we're going to look at five statements that have been, become known as the five solas of the Reformation. And um, sola is a, a Latin word that means alone. It's where we get our word uh, soul, S-O-L-E, or soli. It means alone or only. And um, just to be clear here, the reformers didn't go around saying, here are the five solas, and we didn't know. This came later. Um, but what this is is our way uh, they developed over time, but it's our way of kind of summarizing what was going on as the reformers were saying, we need to get back to this. So what I'm about to share is going to just be our way of coming back to this. What is the simple, 
foundational gospel. Um, to tie it to First Timothy, we've talked a lot about uh, contending for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. We're gonna talk today about what that faith, the content of that faith is. The simple gospel that we get to contend for. All right, you ready? There's gonna be a quiz after this on what the five, sol- no, I'm joking. I did quiz my kids on the way and I, I'm gonna quiz them after just to make sure they're listening. Um, heads up. Uh, first, sola. Sola Scriptura. This simply means, as you may be able to guess, Scripture alone. Scripture alone. And that might not sound revolutionary, but church, oh, it was, and I propose, oh, it is still today. Oh, this one's big. Um, scripture alone, what that means. It doesn't mean that scripture is our only source of authority. You are here and you have many sources of authority in your life. What, what sola scriptura means is that our final and ultimate authority is the word of God. It sits above all of the other, all of the other stuff comes under this. This is our ultimate authority. And so what this means is that there is no church leader, not even a pope. There is no other scripture or other writings that come to the same level. There is no other anything that comes to the same level ground as the authority of God's word. Now, back in um, 1517, that was crazy talk. Let me tell you why. Because back in that day, Uh, The common person in the church did not have a copy of this. So how crazy is that to tell someone who doesn't have a copy of this? More than that, (laughs) literacy was real low. Chances are they couldn't read. Um, And so in this time, the people would come to the church to hear what the scripture says. And to hear the word of God through the priests and the church and the church leaders who would tell them the word of God, but they didn't have a direct access to this the way we do today. Chances are that the Bible of their time, I mean, they weren't walking around, you know, rocking Latin at this time, the common person. So they didn't even have it in their language. And here we go, this, this concept of scripture alone, like what is that? That's a revolutionary concept. And I would argue it still is today in 2023, even when the common person probably has multiple copies of this and probably a lot of translations. Um, More than that, you can probably, I think, literacy rates are a lot higher today. Uh, We can read it. And not only that, we have this, that if you don't have a copy, you can get whatever, whatever you need here in whatever language you need it here in about one second. Like we have, we can't even relate to that. But even in that, the idea of scripture alone is revolutionary. Why? Because sola scriptura is is not just saying that the Bible is one of those authorities that are out there floating around that we can take a little bit, put a little bit in here and take a little bit, put a, no, it, it is saying that it is our only ultimate authority. That all of the things, all traditions, all your experiences, all of your great wisdom and reason the way you feel, all of that comes 
underneath the word of God. That's what sola scriptura is pointing us to. And that is so revolutionary today, just as it was back then. Um, Normally, I tell you to open your Bibles and turn with me to a certain text. Um, This morning, we are going to be hopping around. So if you want to follow with me, bring it. If not, I'm going to put it up here on the screens. We're going to be hopping today. Um, I could show a a few places in Scripture that that point to this fact of God's Word being our authority. But I want to pull out three that just highlight this really, really well. The first is 1 Corinthians 4. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 4. I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written. That none of you would be puffed up in favor of one against another. Paul says, learn by us, this Apostle Paul talking, not to go beyond what is written, and he's referring to what is written. Okay? Don't go beyond that. Peter says in another text in 2 Peter 1, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of men, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. In other words, this is God's word. God is the ultimate authority, and therefore his word is the ultimate authority. Even though men wrote this, they were, as God's word says, carried along, spoke, God speaking through them, through their own unique styles and voices. God speaks through them. One more. Um, 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. All scripture is breathed out, inspired by God. He is the authority, therefore his word is our ultimate authority in all areas of our life. By the way, this is why we preach this. This is why we come back to this every day, every week. This is why we put the word Bible in our name as a church. This is why. We're a Bible people because this is our ultimate authority. Here's my argument. If you do not get this sola right, all of the other stuff comes unraveled. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that is? It's because if scripture is not the ultimate authority, what is? You're gonna make something. What? is the ultimate authority in your life. Is it God, is it his word, or is it something else? Maybe your feelings, your experiences, your, your intellect, your reason, how you think about something. Maybe you're, attempt, you're attempting to be your ultimate authority. Maybe it's a leader or the culture. Maybe it's your Facebook feed. What is it? Who is the ultimate authority in your life? The first sola calls us to ask ourselves this. And before we move on to the second sola, like I said, this one's foundational. I want to give you a, I said this wasn't about history, but I want to pull out a moment in history that highlights this sola so beautifully. 
Martin Luther um, ended up making a lot of people very angry by what he was saying. He tended to do that a lot. Um, In one of these moments, he was arrested. He was standing before a council being questioned. And in this moment, he was asked, like, look, things can go back to normal. Everything can be like, calm down. If you just take it back, just recant. Stop teaching what you're teaching and just recant. Like, it would all go back to normal if you did that. So do it. Well, Luther, here's what he said. Unless I am convinced by the testimony of the scriptures or by clear reason, for I do not trust either in the people or in the Pope or in the councils alone, since it is well known that they have often erred and contradicted themselves. You see why he made few friends. He says, I am bound by the scriptures I have quoted, and my conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and will not retract anything since it is neither safe nor right to go against conscience. Here I stand. I can do, I cannot do otherwise. May God help me, amen. Amen. That right there is a sola scriptura mic drop moment (laughs) that he just gave us right there. I share this because you may be asked very similar questions in your life today. Not that you're standing before a council, Um, or anything like that. But for some of us, um, it might come from popular culture, from school, from our job, where there may be a time coming when we're asked, like, listen, if you would just stop talking like you're talking, just stop believing that, take it back, we'll be good. We'll go back to normal. Everything's gonna be fine. If you just recant, will you recant? And... um, If you've never been in that moment before, it may be coming. And in that moment, my prayer is that you will be able to say, you know, I am bound by scripture. My conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and will not retract anything. Here I stand. I cannot do otherwise. May God help me. My prayer is that we would have the boldness to say that when our time comes. Sola Scriptura. Next, Sola Gradia. Sola Gradia. I I debated if I should just stop and we all guess what it is, but I'm not going to do that. It means grace alone. Grace alone. This means that we are saved, that salvation is by grace alone. And I believe the most, single most powerful text um, that, that lays this out for us and hear me, I love this text, and I think all of us should memorize it this week. Let's just, it's long, and I want you to just, let's all memorize it this week. Ephesians 2, I love this text, and I don't want to break it up. I'm just going to read it. You ready? You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now work in the sons of disobedient, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Ooh. But God, being rich in mercy, 
because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he may show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing, a gift of God. Not the result of works, so that none of you may boast. For he is, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let's memorize it this week, all right? Here we go. Um, what does that mean? What does that mean for you and for me? Listen, it means that you and I, we are not saved by our works. We are not saved by what we do. You cannot earn anything before God. You, you can't, there's, salvation is by grace and the grace of God alone. Sola gratia. Let me get personal for a moment. That means, and I want you to hear me, God does not love you more when you're having a good day. He does not love you less when you're having an awful day. He does not regret saving you. It means that God does not save you because of how good you are or your potential to be really good. He does not save you because of your works, not your past works, your present works, or even the stuff that you might do, the good stuff you might do later. He does not save you because of your works. On your best day, it is by grace alone. On your worst day, it is by grace and grace alone. That means we can stop striving. We can stop pretending like we have it all together and we can rest in the grace of God and sing with all the brothers and sisters who came before us, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. This is central to the gospel. You are saved by grace alone, which leads to the third sola, sola fide. Sola fide means faith alone. We are saved by faith alone. We are made righteous before God by faith alone. This sola is important because it asks and answers one of the most fundamental questions we all have, which is this. How can a person be made right before God? How can a person be made right before God? The answer is and always has been faith. In Genesis, way back, let's go way back. We have Abraham in Genesis 15. He, that's Abraham, back in the day, Old Testament here, he believed in the Lord, it was counted to him, counted to him. Because of belief, counted to him as righteousness. He's not made right because he was good. Read Genesis. No one is good. No one. But it was counted to him because he believed in God, trusted him. It was faith alone. Now, if we were to fast forward, let's go, let's go to Romans. Romans. Romans 4, and to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted 
as righteousness. That's Genesis. We have the same thing going on. Like, same thing for Abraham is true. And get this, it says, just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. So what we see here is Abraham, we see David, we see New Testament. What I'm saying here is it is the same thing from the beginning. Paul says in Galatians 2, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus. And so we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. How are we made right before God? Faith. And not just faith plus anything else. Faith alone. Our ultimate authority, just to recap where we've been, is this. And we are saved because we know from this we are saved by grace alone. And we are made right before God by faith alone, which leads us to the fourth one. And this one's real big. Um, This one tells us who is at the center of all of this. This one tells us how God's grace is poured out on us. This tells us the object of our faith. The fourth one is solus Christus, which means Christ alone. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, there is one God. There is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. We believe in 1 Timothy 2.5. We believe in Acts 4.12 that says there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. I love the way um, uh, an author named Matthew Barrett says this. Love this. Cuts right to it. I want you to just take this in. Listen to this. Christ's identity is absolutely exclusive and his work is entirely sufficient. Take this in. We have no need then for any other prophet to provide us with new, other re- new relation, revelation. Any other priest to mediate between us and God or any other king to rule Christ's church. Christ alone stands at the center of God's eternal purposes. Christ alone is the object of our saving faith and therefore Christ alone must stand at the very center of our theology. That's a good mic drop. That's a modern mic drop moment. That's, that's so good, so good. We have nothing apart from Christ and in Christ we have everything. Paul says it clearly in 1 Corinthians that, listen, if Christ has not been raised, then all of this, our faith, our preaching, it is in vain. Christ is everything. The center and object of our faith and apart from him, church, let's go home. Like none of this matters. In other words, your faith is only as strong as the object of your faith. And apart from Christ, your faith is in vain. But praise God that Christ lives, that he accomplished his work on the cross. Praise God, he rose, the tomb is empty, which means our faith is not in vain. Our faith is in Christ, in Christ alone. 
I love the way the writer of Hebrews says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Our ultimate authority is scripture alone. And, and by this, we know we are saved by grace alone, not your good works or good looks. We're, we're saved, we're made right before God by faith alone, not your works. And the object, the author, the perfecter of that faith is Christ and Christ alone. And it leads us to the last one, number five. Soli Deo Gloria, which means for the glory of God alone. Um, this sola is all about the purpose. So we've talked about the how, the what, the who. So how we're saved, we know that because of scripture and how we're saved, we know it's by grace and what saves us of faith and who saves Christ, right? We, we got that. But this sola church answers the, the why. Why? All of this, grace, faith, our lives, our redemption, our justification, all of the things we know and we hold and we cling to, all of it is for the glory of God alone. The glory of God alone. It's like that old catechism. What's the chief end of man? Remember what it is? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. Our purpose, the purpose of all of this, all creation, glorify God. In Philippians 2, after uh, Paul talks about the work of Jesus who humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death on the cross right after that, Paul says, in, in, he says, therefore God has highly exalted him, given him the names above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. We sang that this morning. Every tongue will confess. But look at that last line, to the glory of God the Father, all of this is for his glory. Amen. We're about to celebrate baptisms. All of that is for his glory. Amen. In fact, the text that we often look to in baptisms, Romans 6, 4, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. See, our salvation is even for the glory of God, not for your glory. So we can say with Paul, as we see in 1 Corinthians 10, whatever you eat or drink, whatever you do, we do it for the glory of God because all of this is for the glory of God. I want to quote one more um, author, um, one more mic drop moment here. I love this one. It says, soli deo gloria can be understood as the glue that holds all of the other solas into place center that draws all the other solas into a grand and unified whole. Christ is the center. The glory of God in Christ is the center. That's the why. So here's what I want to do. I want to put them all together. I want to put all of these together based on this, because this is our ultimate authority, based on this truth. We are saved by grace alone through faith alone, in Christ and Christ alone. And all of this is for the glory of God and God alone. I take that in, church. We know through this you are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. Like, although this is, you know, Reformation Day and we're looking like 500 years ago, it's so much more than that. 
Because what we're reminded of today and why I love this rhythm of stopping and remembering this is because we are reminded of the foundational truth of the gospel that does not change or shift or fail. And we stand on it. Church, if you're here and you have not placed your faith in Christ and trust in Christ, if you're here and maybe you're not sure, scripture tells us that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. Salvation is in Christ alone. So the call this morning is to come to Christ. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This means is that there is a way, one way that we can know salvation, solus Christus, the way is Christ alone. If you're here and you've never responded to God's gift of grace through faith in Christ, if you've never responded, I pray and I have been praying all week that this is the moment, this is the day that you would respond to the gospel in faith and come to Christ because God demonstrated his great love for you while you were dead in your sins. Christ died that you might be saved and his grace is sufficient for you. Come to him. And if you're here and you are a follower of Jesus and you've responded, listen, I pray that you will be encouraged this morning. You will be strengthened in your faith this morning because again, doctrine matters. What you believe matters. And so I want to come back to this. We know through this, you're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. And I want to end with a powerful text for all of us as we close this morning, Romans 1. And I want you to listen to this. In light of what we've looked at this morning, in light of the gospel this morning, because of this truth now, we can say together with the Apostle Paul, you ready? For I am not ashamed of the gospel, amen? It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith as it is written. The righteous shall live by faith.